Hey folks, Sam Jones here. Welcome to another edition of Off Camera. Well, this is a very different week because I am not coming to you from the lovely Off Camera studios, but I'm actually speaking into a microphone while sitting in a closet in my house, surrounded by board games and puzzles, cat carriers, a trumpet, a violin, and this is the playroom closet in my house, and this is where we're making Off Camera this week. You know, with this coronavirus outbreak, I'm taking no chances and I'm practicing extreme social distancing, as are all the off-camera employees. Now, this is a really weird time. My kids are doing school via the internet. I've filled my freezer and fridge and pantry with as much food as I could. And I think we have enough toilet paper, but the truth is no one knows how long this will go on for. And there's a lot of uncertainty for all of us. And if you've been listening to this podcast, you know that right before the coronavirus madness started, we were in the process of looking for a new television network for the show. So for the past several weeks, we've been replaying some of my favorite episodes and looking back into the off-camera archives. I saw no reason not to continue this just because we were all sequestered at home. I love the fact that I can share this show with you no matter what's going on. Thankfully, we have the technology and great employees who can help me figure this stuff out and email and, you know, we can get this thing out. So that's what we're going to do. And uh, before we get into this week's episode, I just want to say two things about what's going on. Number one, please stay at home and away from other people. The only way we're going to get ahead of this thing and not overwhelm our healthcare system is to try to slow the spread of this down by keeping our distance from everyone we can. The technological term, I think, is flattening the curve. But the idea is, if we can slow the spread, then we can limit the amount of deaths and the amount of overcrowding that happens in our hospitals. And certainly we've seen the example of Italy and now in other countries of what's happening. And so I hope everyone is taking this as seriously as we are in my family and just staying away from other people and really not going out of your house unless you absolutely have to. You know, the faster we all self-isolate, the more lives we can save. That's just a simple fact. And number two, drink lots of water. Apparently the virus first attacks the throat and keeping your throat moist by drinking water frequently will wash the virus down to your stomach where the stomach acid can kill it. Oh, and wash your hands, of course. Use hot water, soap, and do it for at least 20 seconds. I know that's three things, but they're all very important. And I'm sure you all know that, but you know, Anything we can do to share information and get through this thing, I figure, why not try it? I think it's also important in these times to stay busy, stay healthy, and be kind to yourself. You know, projects around the home, games and puzzles with family, cooking, exercising, and yes, podcasts are great ways to spend your time. And in the spirit of that, we'll keep bringing you off camera every week, even if it's from my tiny little closet here. Hopefully, you can find some words of wisdom and inspiration in our show. So this week, I'm bringing you one of our earliest episodes with actor Michael B. Jordan. This was the last show we did in our old space, way back in 2014. I think it's episode number 13. And I was still getting my feet under me as a host. But listening back, I loved hearing about Michael's experiences on The Wire, his auditioning stories, and his difficult education about race in the film business. I hope you enjoy this episode. Stay safe, everybody. And now, on to the show. Hello, and welcome to another edition of Off Camera. I'm your host, Sam Jones. And in this episode, I sit down with actor Michael B. Jordan. Drug dealer, football player, alcoholic, shooting victim. In his first decade of acting, Michael B. Jordan has found ways to humanize characters that on the page may seem stereotypically what he dubs the black guy. In The Wire, a young and very sheltered Jordan asks fellow actors to help him understand how to simulate a cocaine high on screen, and through that surreal experience discovered his unfettered love of acting. In Friday Night Lights, Jordan started journaling as an acting exercise and amassed a detailed backstory for quarterback Vince Howard that made the character shockingly real. With Fruitvale Station, Jordan dug even deeper. Playing a real person for the first time, he inserted himself deep into the family of Oscar Grant, who was slain by a police officer on a train platform in Oakland in 2009. Jordan spent time with Oscar's former girlfriend, mother, daughter, and friends. 
The result was an intensely real portrayal of an innocent young man in a film that exposes our country's ongoing race problem. Jordan's performance was nuanced, understated, and masterful. Perhaps his ability to play characters with odds stacked against them comes from his own desire not to fall into that lifestyle. Jordan started working very young, doing modeling and acting in commercials, and saw an acting career as a way out of the tough urban environment of Newark, New Jersey. In his words, he saw plenty of Wallaces, Bodies, and Avon Barksdales, and was determined to make a better life for himself. Not only does Jordan not want to just play the black guy, he also doesn't want to compare himself too closely to actors that came before. He says he doesn't want to be the next Will Smith or the next Tom Cruise. He just wants to be himself. When you are around Jordan, his optimism and ambition are infectious and endearing. He doesn't just want to star in films. He wants to produce them. He doesn't want to just be on television. He wants his own channel. And he doesn't just want to be the face of a studio. He wants to run a studio. At Off Camera, we wouldn't bet against him doing anything he sets his mind to. So pull up a chair and listen in. Michael B. Jordan. Sam Jones. How you doing? Doing good, doing good. Well, I thank you for coming and doing this for me. Um, I first saw you on Friday Night Lights and then um, discovered The Wire and realized that little kid is the quarterback on Friday Night Lights. <laughs> and, and, uh, and they turn out to be now, looking back, um, probably two of my favorite shows of all time. So I'm a big fan and it's nice to have you here. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah. Uh, I got the sense, like right at the beginning, that I wasn't just watching like, uh, you know, another TV actor do his thing, but I saw a real humanity in that character, and I also saw like, I felt like there was a sense that um, you played him as though he knew, like there was just a bit of a, like the deck was stacked against him, like, like he was, um, you know, like he, he knew that he had an uphill battle in life in general. And I wondered if that was a conscious decision for you. You know, one of the great things about that show was the writing. You know, yeah. and Jason Kadams is so talented and so, uh, you know, he, he's so good at, 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 at creating and writing these characters um, with baggage, you know, with, with, a, with a little backstory. And, and, and one of the cool things about him is being able to collaborate with him, you know? So he gave me the freedom, you know, a lot of times to, to write my backstory. You know, and I would write a, uh, I would write a journal, you know, like literally like to my, from my earliest memory up until that day, and just kind of just go through, you know, life. You know, how was my day today? You know, how do I feel about not seeing my dad? How do I feel about my mom being sick today? And it kind of gives you a, a starting, a, a jumping off point. So it, it, I guess it was kind of a conscious decision. It was a little premeditated to kind of give him these, uh, you know, these high stakes, you know, going into it and um, knowing that. You know, I mean, right from the beginning, you know, the character, you know, you know, any false move, he's going to jail. It, it just kind of gave me a lot of places to go moving forward. Right. And, and the journal thing, that was Jason came to you and said, just do this and create your own backstory. Or, I mean, was it was it something where where he told you how to do it or was it something mm -hmm. you developed? It's a, a tool. You know, actually, a buddy of mine, Nate Parker, um, uh, he's a you know, really talented actor, and uh, we worked on this project, Red Sails, together, and I got to, you know, just, you know, learning. I'm always constantly learning from each job that I, that I, that I kind of um, work on. And, um, you know, this is something that I picked up from, from him. He was like, you know, Mike, you know, whenever you feel lost, whenever you feel like you're not, you know, 100% sure of who you are at that moment, you know, write, write a journal. You know, start off with that day. And then, it, you know, I, like, and then moving forward on the different jobs and the different characters that I played, you know, that, that just got bigger and, and more and became, you know, a day became a week, a week became a month, a month became a few months. And then I just kind of, now, now for every character that I do, it's, it's at least 40 pages. And no it's, kidding. And it's, I mean, I got them like stacked up at the house, you know, they're like real life diaries for these different people that I've played. And it's, and, and it's, it's my it's weird. It is a little weird, but it's just it works for me, you know. Just, yeah. And I can always, I always remember where I'm at. I can always go back to it and read it, just like in real life. You know, your own diary is like a, you know, you're documenting your memories. You know, you're, you're documenting your life for the most part. So, um, but anyway, um, no, like Jason, uh, you know, right when we started working on the show, you know, he sat down with each one of us, all the new characters, and pretty much, you know, answered any questions that we might have had and went over. Um, you know, like like all of our concerns. You know, you know, how was my relationship with my dad? You know, what, uh, 
you know, how many schools did I get kicked out of? You know, how many times did I get locked up? And did know? he have all those answers? No, we figured it out. You know, and that was the cool part. And then he was like, well, Michael, what do you think? And I was like, well, this is the first time somebody asked me what I think. And I was like, all right, well, then I just kind of took it and ran with it. And I just kind of went the extra mile, you know? Um, yeah, how do you write a journal about a fictional character? Like, you just start making up things yeah. and you go and and the more you write about it the more true it becomes 100 percent. and then once you're once you're believing what you're writing then that's 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 the magic then then you got them you then you know your person you know you know who you you know who vince howard is you know it, that that's the fun part is it's whatever you want to create you, you curate your habits you create your tics you create your likes and dislikes in this character I think acting is at its best when you can pull from your own personal emotions and 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 and, and give that to a character because it's coming from the realest place possible. And, right. and I think there's no there's no fake in that. Now that that show was shot um, very kind of documentary style and lots of lots of moving cameras yep. and um, I wondered how much you were encouraged to improvise or if that was part of the the deal like you had to improvise like how, how how was that set up for the actors at the, uh, the first dinner I remember you know um, you know me you know, it was uh, Matt Loria um, Madison Berg Journey Smollett anyway we were sitting around the table with uh, you know Michael Waxman and Kyle Chandler and Connie Britton and Jason Kadams Peter Berg you know we're having like the, you know the, the you know the, the round table dinner and stuff like that and um, I remember you know Kyle stood up and said you know you're here for a reason you know um, if you're not bringing something to the character, if you're not, you know, we, we encourage you to ad-lib. We encourage you to improvise. We encourage you to, to bring something else to the table. That's why you're here. And trust it. Like, nobody's going to get on you about it. You know, just, just we, we trust you. And, you know, I trust you. And it was just like one of the, it was just a relieving moment. Like, okay, cool. That came from Kyle. That came from Kyle. And, and, like, and how did that work in practice? Like, so say you've got a scene in the locker room mm -hmm. and... You got a couple of cameramen roving around. I'm assuming they were all steady or handheld. Mostly, steady, mostly handheld and steady cams. And, um, you know, Pete's and video, Pete, Peter Berg, you know, he, um, or usually any of the directors that, that's kind of already directed an episode, you know, in the past or some of the, um, you know, past seasons or whatnot. You know, they're, they're yelling from Video Village. All right, Scott, pull back on the one. We need to tie it over here. You know, all right, uh, Mike, uh, you know, move camera left a little bit while we're delivering our lines, like in the middle. So it's like literally like it's it's always constantly changing and constantly moving. There's no marks for the most part. Right. It's just kind of like, you know, go where you feel as though you, you want to go, move where you want to move, and, and we'll find you. That's kind of like his motto. We'll, we'll, we'll find it. And, well, uh, that's one of the things I love about that show is how much they're finding focus and how much lights are getting into frame and things like that exactly. because I feel like it adds to the tension of you know you feel like you're in the room with those people and and it's a big football team or whatever it is you're in that room and people are moving and it's dynamic right so so in those situations uh, is there a leader like is there does an actor kind of you know, like say Kyle Chandler, does he take off and go down a path and you just have to like get on board or, yeah. or are you guys sticking to the script or how, how much did you deviate from the script? I mean, there was this one scene, I was in the office talking to coach about, I think it was about like a, like a job or something like that. It might've been like, like asking him for like a referral or something okay. like that. And then somehow we ended up in the office, we're cooking baking. Bacon has nothing to do with anything. It wasn't in the script. It wasn't anywhere, but he has a little... He has the bacon Portable cooker. Look. Yeah, and yeah. Just sitting, we're sitting there cooking bacon, and we're delivering the scene over bacon, and that was just a total improv that he decided to bring to the table that day. So, like little moments like that, you're always kind of we're always kind of finding the magic and finding the freshness in within the scene. We're just sitting there volleying back and forth, back and forth, and it's it's just we get into a rhythm, and then sometimes we'll be having a conversation with our eyes, like are, are we done, or are we going to get back to it, and then it's like all right, we're going to get back to it, and then we'll get back on track. It's it's weird, especially after after working with somebody for a really long time. You pick up on, on habits and you and you pay attention to looks and and, and it's and it's a feel thing too. It's a lot of fun. You know, I I think that he is for that show mm -hmm. and even for television. He's kind of the penultimate father figure. No, definitely. I mean, he was the you know he he was the patriarch. You know, he was the guy who, um, you know, the other guys wanted to be like. That envy, like, oh man, like I'm jealous of your relationship, of your, of your, of your moxie, of the way you handle yourself. Right. You know, you have to see some of yourself in that character. I think, for 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 the audience member to kind of like really want to, for a guy to like root for another guy and want to be like him and be like, all right, this guy's cool. You know, like we're not, guys don't, 
naturally we don't we don't give guys props off top. You know, we don't give right. them a lot of compliments. We don't we don't we don't give other guys a lot of compliments. It's just the way we're built, the way we're wired. So for Kyle Chandler, when you, when you see other guys like, oh man, he's a cool guy, or I want to be like coach, or like that father figure, that that coach. You know, it's a uh, he he sets an example for for uh, for a lot of guys out there. And then I think a lot of women, you know, um, they, they all wish their husband at home was like Kyle Chandler yeah. or like coach in, so, in exactly. some way. And I feel like Kyle is such a good person. At, you know, so Coach Taylor almost has to be in some ways. You know, like the, right. the, his good heart comes through for sure. I remember he was telling me the story about, uh, you know, after work, you know, he wasn't like he wasn't allowed to... Uh, like so he, he can't, he couldn't come out to to drink that often, you know. Right. Like you know, because like you know, bars when we get we 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 usually get done pretty pretty early, you know, on that show. We did, we never really shot long 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 hours, um, very quick, fast pace. We got finished pre- uh, fairly quickly, and um, you know, his wife uh, gave him a, like a, a bag full of change, you know, and like that was his, his drinking money. You know? <laughs> so he would, he would carry around like this big like I don't know if it was a big sock or a bag full of like. You know, quarters and nickels and dimes and pennies and stuff like that, and that's what he could could drink with. But just little little sacrifices and, and compromises like that, you know, within like your own relationship, you know, it just kind of like, you know, for me, for a guy at that age who was you know just now starting to you know fall into love and deal with those type of relationships and finding those little moments that, you know, he still gets what he wants, but at the same time he sacrifices for the betterment of the family, and then just being responsible. I mean, he's he's a very responsible guy, and I think I learned that just uh, always being prepared, always being ready, and never making ex- any excuses. You know, don't make excuses. Um, it's definitely something I learned from him. I think that for men especially, it's really important, depending on who your father was or whatever, yeah. it's really important to find a, you know, a few mentors in that area and just how to be a man. Exactly. You know? Yeah, definitely. And then, like, like, you know, on the acting side, you know, it's weird because sometimes I feel like, you know, actors of that generation or older generations are very precious. Some, some of them, you know, are very precious with information. Like, they're not as giving of, like, you know, a man come, like, you know, taking some, you know, somebody underneath their wing. And, and, uh, he was one of those, you know, those actors that definitely, you know, showed me little tricks of the trade. Okay, right here we're shooting on the 35, so it's going to be about, you know, this, you know, you know, it's going to be this frame up. So when you walk in, you know, you know, do something with your hands, you know, because you know it's going to be, you know, in the frame. And you know, right now we're shooting on the close now. Now walk up, and then I walk up. Now you see that walk? No, no. Let's go back to the, you know, like have a stand and come in the stand in. I come back to Video Village, and he'll show me on the monitor. Really? Okay, now you see where that's at. It was like little things like that, that. You know, I never went to acting school or film school or anything like that, but that was my education. You learned, taught me a lot, man. Just little things like little tricks to the trade that's going to make, you know, that you can tailor your own performance moving forward on the next job, the next job. It's just right. tools that I'll always have in my little utility belt. Well, I think that's interesting, especially on a television show, because you're, you're with the same crowd for such a long time that, mm-hmm. that it is, you can go to school on it, right? You can, you start to learn how the, you can see the work. Like on a film, you go out, you do eight weeks on a film, you, then you don't see it until it's done and you can't go back. But on a television show, you can look at the first episode and go, oh, what did I do? And, you know, and And so did you use it that way? Like almost like a, I mean, like, you can see it. I mean, like, I mean, the first episode, I guess it worked for the rawness of the character and the fact that he was so new and unpolished because, like, I mean, I was learning at that time. And then, like, you know, halfway through the season, you kind of get in your groove and you're feeling, you know, confident. You're in your routine. And it's like, okay, okay, okay. And then, you know, at the end of the, the season, you're like, I'm in full stride. I'm in my groove. Like, let's, like, you know, let's keep going. And then that kind of carried over to season five because we didn't really have a, a break period. And so I was already, I was in the zone at that point. Season five was just like, let's, I mean, let's go to work. You know, I was, that's the first time I actually had the material, you know, as right. an actor to really, like, dive in, you know? Like, you, you're doing episodics here, episodics there. You're doing web, one episode. You don't, you don't really get a chance to get into a groove. It's like playing basketball one time a week. It's like you're playing at one time, and then, like, you know, you're down for six days, and then you come back again. It's going to take you a while to kind of get back in the rhythm. And, uh, and, you, and you also don't have a lot of chance, you don't have a lot of time to, um, 
really go into into character on episodics. You know, on a television show, you right. could you can build this character over a period of time and really like get to know who who that guy is. So it, it was it's a it's a different pace. It's a different arc. Yeah. You know? No, I mean, I mean, if you if you said to any actor, hey, you get to you get to go cut your teeth on the wire in Friday Night Lights. <laughs> what a great opportunity. Yeah. You know, we did a photo shoot a little while ago for Vanity Fair, and I... It was a fun shoot, man. That was a fun shoot. And and you made a joke at one point, I forget the context of it, but you were talking about your mom, Mm. and you said, I I was talking about different roles you played, and you said, yeah, my mom's already seen me die five times. Yeah, 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 I can't do that to her anymore, man. My mom is like, like, you forget that, you know, you're... Well, you don't you don't forget. You just like you just don't pay attention to it at first. Like your my my mom is, is watching her son die over and over and over again, like dramatic, dramatic deaths. So it's yeah. like my mom would cry really hard. Like she would take it. My mom was very emotional. She would she would take it really hard. And you know, I remember, um, you know, after Fruitville, she saw the screening of it and. She was texting me that night, and oh man, this text, I, it was like maybe three o'clock in the morning, and I just woke up to the text, and she was like, uh, Bakari, because my middle name, Bakari's like, Bakari, don't leave me, you know, I'm like, I just, I miss you, and all this other stuff, and I, like, just don't leave me, and I'm like, I had, to, I had to call her, like, Mom, listen, you're not allowed to watch any more of my movies, if you can't hold it together, I need you to hold it together, like, I just had to talk her down, like, you know, like, Mom, you know, I love you, and like, don't, don't worry about it, I'm not going anywhere, but it's just, you know, just like I take my work home sometimes when you body embody a character, you know, and you you lose yourself, you know, you're depressed a few days afterwards, you know, um, it takes you a while to kind of snap out, snap out of it. You know, for my mom, I guess it's the same way in, in, in her own in her own version of that, you know, as she seeing me kind of go through it, it, it sticks with her after, uh, a little yeah. bit afterwards. And um, especially being around like from Newark, New Jersey, you know, you see so many friends and, you know, relatives that are, you know, pass away. You know, um, at a very young age, you know, death is not uncommon, unfortunately. You know, um, like young males, you know, in the inner city, it's just just rapid loss of young life. And um, so I know for my mom, it's like it's always a it's a it's a real thing that can happen. And, 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 And for her, it's scary to like see me go through that you know I, I can imagine i mean I, I i think that it's really close for a parent especially the more real the project that you can project out and imagine that and mm. and you started young right when you got the audition for the wire how old were you i think i just turned 14 14 just 14 yeah was your mom and, and you at, at the same time sort of aware from the beginning of that show what kind of a uh I don't want to say depressing, but what a what a tragic story arc that The Wire was. Oh no, no clue. No clue. No clue. I mean, we I mean we were supposed to get canceled after season one. We didn't even know like we it, that that show wasn't supposed to go on for five seasons. Like, but uh, but thinking of the you know I mean it's such a crazy thing. Yeah. You're playing this character Wallace who's dealing drugs and you're taking drugs and you're mm-hmm. in, living in the projects and. People are getting shot, and, and you're being used by the adults, yeah. which is probably the biggest tragedy of that, yeah. of that story. Um, and I wondered if when that, you know, when those storylines were coming up, were you having dialogue with your mom about, you know, was she using it as a, as a teachable moment? No, <laughs> no, I think it's, a, you know, I was like a, I was a, I was a re- reoccurring role on that show. Yeah. Um, we got the scripts as they came in, so it, usually we would read it, and then once we realized, like, you know, by, by episode two or three, you know, you, you realize that nobody's safe. You know, it's like, it's like this, this game of, uh, you know, of Clue, you know, or like, or like you know, like, like who did it? You know, it's like, who, like who's going to be next? You know, they, they're literally, when you get the script for the next episode, you're going through it. Like, you just, just flip, just skimming through it just to see if your name's going to be in the end. Right. <laughs> <laughs> to see if you made it through the end of the episode. And, um... But like growing up in Newark, New Jersey, it's a, uh, you know, I'm 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 from from the hood, you know. I I I saw plenty of Wallaces and Bodies and Avon Barksdales that they're all you know good friends of the family, you know, people that I see on a day to day basis. So it's like, I think a part of like you know Wallace was for me playing him was just imitating you know my environment for yeah. a while, 
and my parents did a really good job, you know, of keeping me out of that life and keeping that, you know, keeping me at, like just that that wasn't my world, but I mean, it was my reality, you know, like yeah. for sure. So, um, so I've always got that lesson. You know, it wasn't just a show. I've always got the lesson from my dad being a Marine. You know, being you know, uh, you know, highly you know involved in you know Black Black Panther Party. You know, and during this hey, you know, up out here in California, my family being very you know um, conscious and aware. Um, they 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 keep. They keep me and my brother and my sister pretty like in line, so I've never I never had that problem or worry right. um, from my parents. They, but they've always kind of taught me as we went along. But that storyline, like on Wallace, it was uh, it was an incredible. Um, looking back at it, you know, at that time it was just like I was a I was a kid, you know, just right. kind of imitating like like life, you know. And then um, I think the first time I fell in love with acting, the first time I lost myself in a role ever, was. You know the episode that I started that Wallace started take, using drugs, and it was the one of the first times in my life where I had nothing to pull from. You'd never done. I that. mean, I mean, I'm 14. I mean, I've, I mean, I've never, you know, seen or you know touched or I have no idea what it feels like. Nothing. So I was like, this is the first time where I'm like at a total loss for for. For words, and um, Andre Royo played Bubbles. Mm-hmm. You know, took me to the side, and he was like, "Mike, you know, this is the, this is how you got it. This is this, this is what you got to do. You know, to so close your eyes. Nobody's here. No cameras. Nobody. Um, you know, when you say when you sniff when you sniff the, you know, what I'm saying like the drugs or whatever, you know, coke, whatever it was at the time or whatever, you know, feel it." You know, hit your nose, it's gonna burn. You know, you kind of talk me through how it's gonna feel. Now relax, you know, from the top of your head down to your toes. It's gonna feel warm, like the best feeling you're, it's like, best, pussy, best piece of pussy you ever had. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, all right, at 14, like, all right. Well, I don't I, know what that feels right, like, like either. Right, yep, yeah. <laughs> I've had maybe one at, Maybe one, one piece. Okay, I know what that one piece is like. All right, got it. <laughs> um, and he said, just and just lose yourself. Just you know, whatever feels right. You know, say it. Whatever, whatever feels right. That's how you move. That's that's how that's how you. That, that's that, that's just whatever feels right. Just do it and 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 feel and feel comfortable and confident and knowing that this is a safe place for you to kind of like go there. And I did it. And I remember just not thinking, just not feeling like myself at all. I, I just, it wasn't Mike. You know, it, was, it, wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't me at all. And afterwards, like the next day, I was a little, I was just down. I was feeling really down and just kind of like, you know, a little, a little sad or whatever. And he called me up. He was like, are you okay? I was like, I'm good. He's like, yeah, yeah. He's like, you're going to feel like a little weird, but it, that's, you did a really good job. Like, he encouraged me, man. Right. Like, literally. And that's when I fell in love with just acting. And I always wanted to kind of try to, you know, chase that feeling of, uh, of losing yourself, you know, and you try to find it in different roles here and there, but you don't, you don't always get it. Now, looking back, you're what, 26? 26, yeah. 26. Looking back, like, the day of the audition for that show, yep. what would you give your 13, 14-year-old self, uh, what advice would you give that kid now? It's completely out of your hands. You have no control over this audition. You have no control over. You have no control over it. Don't stress out. Cause I remember stressing out. Like I remember, like afterwards, I was so upset that I didn't get it. You know, cause I, I didn't. I, I originally um, auditioned for Bodie. Oh, you did. Yeah, and they told me I was too young, and that you know they, you know they just, they said I did a great job, but I just I didn't. They they pat. They, they didn't. I didn't get it. Alexa Fogel. Um, I love her. She's awesome. And then they end up calling me back for Wallace. And then, you know, and then I read it and, and, and ended up booking that one that, that day. But I would just tell, tell myself, just period, not even just for that show, that, that, that one show, this auditions period is just like, it's not, once you leave that audition, it's not in your hands anymore. Like, you know, it's funny, a kid can really think that. I mean, you think of a younger kid who mm-hmm. goes through a divorce, you know, parents go through the divorce and the kid's eight years old. Yep. Nine times out of the t- ten, the kid is going to think that it's, his, it's fault. his fault. For sure, you're not equipped. You're not emotionally equipped to handle that um, at that age. And I, I remember just, you know, being, 
you know, very sad, crying, you know, being depressed. And like my mom and dad, I think that was the first time that they ever really um, questioned whether they were doing the right thing by letting me like be, become an actor or kind of go down this path. Yeah. Like they, because they were the ones that had to pick up the pieces. You know, they had to pick. They had to. You know, you want McDonald's? I do want McDonald's. Like, happy <laughs> meal with a toy. No, it's just like they were. They were there. They uh, they they had they had to pick up the pieces and. And then slowly, you know, they they never went through it, you know. Like, I'm the first generation in my family, you know, entertainer. Um, right. So I'm I'm learning all these things on my own, you know. And um, they were probably learning era. how to be a parent of a first generation entertaining oh, kid. 100%, yeah. 100%. So it was one of those things where, you know, I, I gradually, I think after the, the wire, like, after that, on my auditions, I, I started throwing my sides away um, after I left out. You know, um, first audition, I would go in there and I would throw them away. When I, as soon as I left, as soon as I walked out the door, I'll find a trash immediately and I'll, I'll, I'll look for one, throw them away before I even get in the car. And then I always told myself if I get a call back or if I really have to, if they really want me, I'll just reprint my sides. I didn't have a printer at that time. I didn't have anything right. like that. So I'll go to Kinko's. I'll, I'll go through the hassle if it's really worth it. But I left, I left it all in the room. I'm walking out, hands clean. Let me just move on to the next thing. It's the only way I can kind of disconnect myself from the audition, from the role, and, and just forget about it and move on. You still do that now? Yeah, for sure. Although you probably don't have to audition, audition much anymore now. I'm, I'm auditioning a, a little less, but, <laughs> but I don't mind going to like hunt for my food. I think it's. Yeah. I think it's fun. It's. It's like. I think it's. Uh, you know, it's. It's a. It's a. It's a competition in a way. You know. I want to feel like I'm going. I want to feel like I worked harder than everybody else. So when I walk into an audition, it's like, you got to have a little. A little, not cockiness, but confidence to it. You know. Sure. Um, especially in that waiting room, it's like a. It's a whole other thing. When you see a bunch of U's. A whole bunch of U's. <laughs> no, for sure. I'm try- Well, that's the crazy thing. I, I, like now, the auditions, I, the roles I want, I want to go in there. I want to be the only me. I want to be looking around everybody else that doesn't like me and still go get it. You know, it's uh, yeah. <laughs> but um, but yeah, it's that it's that that competition. You know, and it's always the usual suspects. You see the same people all the time. It's right. All the same auditions, and it's like. You know, especially when you start booking those jobs. Now you're the guy that booked that are in the room with everybody else that hasn't been booked in, that hasn't been, you know, booking the, the job. So it's always that kind of, oh man, congratulations, you know, congratulations. Give you the, exactly. They give you the side <laughs> eye. Exactly. Man, he's got to be on this audition, no? But it's it, it's a it's it's a process, man. Uh, auditioning is a it's it's. Some actors hate it, and I know it was one point in time where I really hated it, and then I started to become more confident, and I guess the small successes built up your confidence, and now then you don't really mind going to auditions anymore. It's just like, I'll go in and read. I'll, let's go. Let's go do it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Let's go. Like, but, but now it's more of a, now they're approaching auditions are kind of like, this is my take. Instead of let me go try to give them what they want, now, now your mind state okay. your mind state changes to this is my take. You know, I, um, before, you know, you give me any notes or anything like that. Let me just give you my version because this, this is my take. And now it's a conversation. And then you realize the power you have as an actor. It's like once you're in that room, that's your time. You know, like that that you, slow down time. Uh, audition can be so fast when you go in there. You know, milk it. You know, take your time. Like you know, this this is this is my moment right now. So let's hash this out. So what do you feel, what do you feel about the character? Because I was thinking, you know, right here on this line, you know that you know he's he's not really talking about you know the girl he wants. He's talking about that last drag of the cigarette he just had at the bar. Like that's what I thought that meant. And then it's open dialogue. Then now the the director, you know, whoever you're reading for, is a, it's a it's an open conversation. It's, it's a collaborative experience. Now you're making something together. Hey folks, let's take a little break from the conversation so I can tell you about this week's sponsor, Native. Did you know that many conventional deodorants contain aluminum, which forms a plug in your sweat glands to keep you from sweating? That's not good. Well, Native's deodorant is made without aluminum so you can feel better about what you're putting in your body. I tried Native a little while ago when they came on as a sponsor of this show, and my whole life I was using my father's deodorant because I liked it, it worked, I never really thought about it. 
But the minute I tried Native, it was a totally different experience. There was no cologne or aftershave smell. It went on drier, and it just had a fresher, more natural feeling. The one I started with was cucumber and mint. Since then, I've also loved coconut and vanilla. I like natural smells. I like smelling like the beach. I like smelling like a tropical island. And most of all, I like the way Native feels because it doesn't feel chemically at all. So I've switched over completely. I think it's a great product. And I've looked into it a little bit since they started becoming a sponsor. And I really believe in what they're doing. Native deodorant is made with ingredients you've heard of, like coconut oil and shea butter. You know, you wear deodorant every day and you should be able to understand the ingredients. Making the switch to an aluminum-free deodorant does not mean you have to sacrifice in performance. As I can attest to, Native will keep you smelling and feeling fresh all day long. And they have amazing scents. They have over 10 of them now, including their classics and rotating seasonals. So you're guaranteed to find one you love. They have coconut and vanilla, lavender and rose, cucumber and mint, and eucalyptus and mint. And there's something for everyone. It comes in a wide variety of options for men, women, and even teens. They also offer an unscented option and a baking soda-free formula for those with sensitivities. And now they're excited for the relaunch of their toothpaste line. I know you've all tried natural toothpastes, and so have I, and in the past, they haven't been my favorite. I'll tell you why. They're a little bit gritty, they don't foam up, and when you're done, they don't really feel like your mouth is fresh and clean. But Native's toothpaste uses a special blend of naturally derived cleansers, flavors, and whiteners to deliver a great brushing experience without the trade-offs of those other natural toothpastes. They are offering two minty flavors with the option of fluoride or fluoride-free that will help keep your mouth squeaky clean, whitening wild mint and peppermint oil, and detoxifying charcoal with mint. So now you can smell good and have fresh breath with this great company that I really believe in. So you have to give them a try. And they're giving a special offer for listeners of Off Camera. You can get 20% off your first purchase just by visiting nativedeodorant.com and using the promo code OFFCAMERA during checkout. So you just go to nativedeodorant.com and use the promo code OFFCAMERA during checkout. So try Native. I did. I switched. I'm never going back. And I think you're really going to like it. Now back to the show. You know, I think about um, kids working and, and sort of putting their childhood aside for this great opportunity that comes along. And you look at it, and you look at the opportunities that you had, and it's amazing. You know, and yeah, there's the downside of maybe you don't get to have your whole childhood, you're working. But what I wondered about with you is coming from the area you come from and seeing, you know, the version of you that's out there without these opportunities. Um, like, do you ever think about what your life might have been like if you hadn't have found this this thing that you love that you could immerse yourself in? Yeah, it's um, you know, coming from coming from Newark, you know, and um, where there's where there's not a lot of options, you know, like even if you you know, you, you know, you go to school, you, know, you get good grades, half the time you can't afford to go to college. You know, if you don't get a scholarship. So now you're taking out student loans. Taking out student loans and that you never seem to ever pay off because there's not any jobs out there waiting for you when you get finished, you know, graduating college. But I, I, I looked at this acting as like my, my way out, you know. Um, if I wasn't acting, I, I have no idea what I'd be doing. But, I, you know, sometimes I look at my friends and, you know, friends, like, you know, they're still, still in Newark or whatnot. And, and the reality is you feel, you do feel, you feel a little guilty in a way when you were so close to living another life. You know, if I would have made one decision, if I would have made one left turn here or not have gone and did this, I could have just as easily been in that same vicious circle. Right. And, and, and that and that's the hard part to kind of, you know, get it to get get through kind of, you know. You know, I know plenty of Oscar grants and Trayvon Martins. Well, let's talk about that because you, know, you, you just um, recently finished uh, this amazing film, Fruitvale Station, which is about the real life story of Oscar Grant, who was killed in the BART transit system at Fruitvale Station. Sure. And uh, what I took away from that film was how narrow Oscar's choices and his path seemed to be. 
you know, to me that made that film all the more tragic is that uh, it, it brings into focus maybe how close we all are to um, tragedy or, or to someone that we know making a couple left turns or, or getting in the wrong place at the wrong time. And I think that, you know, that's one of those rare films where you can know exactly the story going in and you can still be completely and utterly moved mm -hmm. and find yourself transported to a place that you never thought you were going to go with a film. But let's start at the beginning. I mean, uh, you get this script from sort of an unknown director and he says, I wrote this for you. Yep. Uh, what was that like? How did that unfold? Um, I, I just got finished doing this film, Chronicle, um, mm -hmm. in, uh, in South Africa, and I came back, and I was talking to my agent at the time, and I was like, you know what? I, I, I really need, I, I want to do a, a independent. I want to do a gritty indie that can, like, I think it's time for me to find me a, a lead, you know, for me to, like, kind of go show show what I can do. I, I, need to, I, need to, I need to know if I can do it or not, you know? And... Um, just so happens Ryan is, is, is going through the process of casting this film and uh, gets the script to my agent um, at the time and uh, I, I read it I remember bawling my eyes out halfway through put it down picked it up again read it and I was like I gotta meet this director I gotta meet Ryan I gotta I got talk to him and uh, met him at Starbucks the first five minutes within talking to him I knew I wanted to do it with him I was like because you just you just you're invested you know, you just, he's so passionate and he's, uh, and, uh, his vision, you know, the way he, the way he, the way he described it and the way he, um, the way he told me how he wanted to do it and why he wanted to do it. I was like, I just want to be a part of your vision. I want I want to be a part of this, 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 this process. And I want to tell this, help tell the story. And, um, literally from that day on, I started growing my hair and putting on weight. And it was, uh, in my head, I was doing it and regardless of, I, I, I would have done it for free. Yeah. So I mean, like it, you know. I mean, it was pretty much for free, but no, it was uh, no. But uh, we, it, it was. Uh, I was really looking forward to doing it. I moved up to the Bay about a month earlier. Really wanted to soak up the Bay. I've never been to the Bay before. I've always heard amazing things about it. Just how different it is from like you know Southern California. How different it is from like you know Texas. How different it is from Florida. How different it is from the East Coast. It's just its own thing. I just wanted to go up there and spend as much time as I could with the family. And um, well, tell me about that. How did you meet uh, his family for the first time? I met Sophina, his girlfriend, um, first with uh, Melanie Diaz, who played who played Sophina, and uh, I met Tatiana, the real Tatiana, as well at a Starbucks. Um, the entire movie was made in a Starbucks, Starbucks right? You know, we would like to thank you. Fruitville Station, we would like to thank them, was, 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 uh, was made and helped by Starbucks. Um, yeah, Ryan kind of took you know, Tatiana off to the side a little bit and let me and Melanie kind of, you know, have, have some one-on-one -on -one time with Sophina at first. And it was a little awkward, you know? I'm this guy in my head, you almost psych yourself out. Like, well, what is she thinking? She's going to think I look nothing like him. And, like, I'm just this guy trying to be her, her boyfriend and all this other stuff. Like, I don't know. Does she really understand, like, the whole process of this? And, like, I, I mean, right. I, it, was, it was a lot of first times for everybody, you know, involved. And, and uh, she was a little standoffish at first. But eventually, as we talked, uh, um, she loosened up a little bit. And we just, like, just listened to the stories that, you know, she told about her and Oscar. And they were really best friends. And they were in love. They were, they were so in love. And, uh... And, um, yeah, I just try to spend a little, uh, you know, inv individual time with them, with, with, with each person and just literally just li listen. I didn't ask that many questions. You know, Ryan was the, you know, the gatekeeper to a lot of, uh, you know, the family members. So, you know, we would usually wait for him to kind of set up the meeting or depending on, you know, with his best friends, we, we end up going to a park and order a whole bunch of barbecue and, you know, sitting drinking and, you know, telling stories in a park, you know, where, where Oscar used to hang out. And, um... And that's how I got to know Oscar, was through everybody that knew him the best. Um, and everybody had a different version of Oscar. Really? Everybody had a different, per, per, uh, you know, they described a different person. Um, and I think that all of them were true. I, I don't think anybody, you know, made up anything. I, but Oscar was a different person around everybody, just like we are as people. Yeah. You know, he was constantly finding himself, you know. Oscar was... Uh, He's a very complex young man. Young man. Everybody keeps forgetting that he's only 22 years old. Fuck do you know at 22? Exactly. You know, that, that's the age you're supposed to make mistakes and, and, and experiment and not really know, not really have all the answers 
And then you learn from those life lessons and then moving forward, you apply that to your life and you decide what kind of man you want to be. Oscar never had that redemption period to decide what kind of man he wanted to be. So to be judged off of such a such a small sliver of time and like and and, and growing pains, so to speak, I think it's completely unfair and 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 um, and unrealistic. You know, um, you made a few choices. Uh, one in the flashback from jail when your mom comes yeah. to visit you, mm-hmm. where it was literally exactly what you're describing, where Oscar was a chameleon for protection, uh, and and you're sitting there across from your mom, and you're being that lovey-dovey mama's boy that that relationship that you that you love so you much, have. yeah. And then another inmate comes in. Catches you in that vulnerable moment. And says something, and you get up, and literally on the screen, we watch that kid disappear in your face. And that blew me away when I was watching it, is watching that character go away completely, and a different, like, it's almost like a, you pull a Halloween mask out, and this is the badass. And you were a different person. Yeah, thank you, man. And that was, that was astounding to me, and it happened again on the train, where you were with your friends, your guard was down, and then here comes this guy that you had a previous conflict okay, with, yeah. and boom, that face is on again. And I, I was blown away. You know, as much as I'm watching the film just as a flabbergasted observer and not knowing that whole story, mm-hmm. those moments caught me where I, where I really said to myself, you know, I didn't, as a kid, I never had to go through that. I could just be kind of, I always felt sort of safe. Mm-hmm. And Oscar Grant did not feel safe. And I wonder if that was something that, you know, that you did on purpose, or if that was just something that kind of came from being that character. I think if it's, uh, me, and, me and Ryan, we really, as much as we let ourselves have moments of magic, or just kind of like moment of spontaneity, you know, um, we really dissected this script page by page. We really, we really put a lot of time and effort into it, and we wanted to show how a young male ha- has has to be, you know, and and that that's in that's that was in a uh, position like Oscar or just period. Um, we wanted to show those those changes. You know those 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 uh, you know stop on a dime. You know um, changes in moments. And uh, I remember the prison scene. He was just you know we were talking through it, and um, he was like you know you coming from getting searched. You know, mm-hmm. um, like demasculated. You know, you, um, you know you're getting searched by another man. You know, butt naked, turned, been over, cough. You know, you and this is, this is your routine before before you go see your mom. You know, the woman that brought you into this world, you know, and then, you know, that walk, that walk to my mom is like, you know, you, you still you still got to have your guard up. And then you, you then you see her and it's like, oh, man, this is um, this must, you know, my mom. I can't really let her know what's going on with me. You know, I got bruises on my face. Obviously, I was getting into some shit and you want to you want to you want to keep her ignorant of all of that. That's why I don't even acknowledge it. You know, I think it was uh, an amazing choice to play that character a- as unsympathetically as you did and still get away with, you know, this total heartbreaking moment at the end when he dies because I think he's shown in a very, very real light. It, it's hard to make a movie where you know exactly what the ending is in the first minute and in minute 99 you're still feeling... I hope this doesn't happen. Yeah, I hope somehow yeah. I've gotten this all wrong, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. somehow it's going to end, end differently. Yeah, and it, somehow and it it's going to end differently. And I think that that's something that's so powerful about, about this whole story is that, you know, and, and I, something I read that you said where you took this film to festivals and when the lights came up, you saw all these different people, different races, different ages, and they all had a universal feeling, you know, from this situation and how can a theater full of completely diverse people live in the same world where this is allowed to happen exactly man it's uh um it 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 lets us know that that we that we did something right 
that we're that we're you know we're holding a mirror a mirror up to our audience and we're saying look at yourself in the mirror and like can you live with it you know like what do, what do you what are you going to do to stop it from happening you know because I think it starts with the individual mm-hmm. you know to uh, not be so quick to judge somebody that you deem different. Exactly. Just because you don't spend a lot of time around a guy like Oscar Grant or but there's so many different things that play into that mind state and that 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 the habit of thinking, you know, it's a it's it's you know, whether it's media, whether it's, you know, how we're depicted in news, you know, and and um every time you see a, you know, you know, you know, black, you know, picture on a newspaper of these young males some thugs, some degenerates. So, like, there, you know, somebody from Wisconsin who might not has ever been around, you know, a group of people like myself like that on a regular basis. You know, they might be a little abrasive when they come across somebody like myself because they don't. Well, is, fear is it true? too. It's, for, it, it, for unfamiliarity sure. breeds fear. Yeah. And so you just, I think that that's at, at our hearts. We are all that scared person that yeah. doesn't know. We're all human. We're all flawed, man. It's like we're, we're like it, it's 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 nobody's perfect, and it's just it's just trying to figure it, figure it out. I wanted to ask you if there was a specific um, story or or something that one of his family members told you that sort of was the initial key that unlocked how to play him. Is there something that sticks in your mind that came from his mom or his daughter? I mean, honestly, man, no. It was a. Uh it was Forrest Whitaker that kind of really took the chains off me, man, and just really like just said like this is how this is how. try this, and he said you know there's no video there's no there's no audio on Oscar which is probably you might think it's a it's a obstacle but it's probably your biggest asset right now is because you have a clean slate ah. of who this guy is you take everything that you know and you've learned from his family and his friends. And then you go do your take. Don't imitate anything. That's the thing. Oscar can't, this can't be an imitation of anything. It has to be a representation of what Oscar was and who, and who, and who he is. And you're giving him voice. And it completely, like, I was like, okay. Because usually when you like, when you're in your head, you kind of psych yourself out. I'm playing a real person. I have to be exactly him. I got to imitate this guy. I got to imitate this person, you know? But there's nothing for me to imitate. So it's like, how do you, now where do you find a performance? And then you find it in, you know, you find it in his heart, you know, like you find out what he really cared about, you know. Um. But it's like your journal. You went around, you you had barbecue and you spent time and, and so. Built those memories. Right. You, you, you build, you, you fabricate, you fabricate your own memories. And that's, and that's kind of, that's kind of how it happened. And then, honestly, I'm not saying I got this shit down to a science. I mean, it was a lot of trial and error. Sure. It was, it was a lot of. It was a lot of on set praying to him, honestly. Like, hey, man, I'm a little lost today, you know? Like, just be here. Be around. Help me. Just try to give me something. And, like, there was moments for sure, for sure he was around me. Definitely, bro. And yeah. I can't take credit for that, you know? And it's, like, certain things, like, certain, you know, things in, the, in this in the scenes in this film and moments where it's just, like, I want to give a really smart answer, but I don't have one. You know, I think I think it happens on on with a lot of different you know characters and a lot of a lot of different actors. I think there's th- certain things that you just can't explain. It's like, well, 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 that look that look you did here and that moment right here, well, what was going through your mind? I was like, sometimes you're so locked in tunnel vision, you don't even you don't even realize what you're doing sometimes until later or somebody else pointed out. You you sometimes you don't even really notice it because you're just so like locked in. And I know what I, with with this film, there's certain things I just there's a lot of things I can't take credit for. It was just. I was just a tool, bro. Yeah, how was the family's reaction to the performance in the end? When they, after meeting you and spending time with you, and then they see the film. His, his aunt stood up at Sundance and, um, during a Q&A, and she was like, um, you know, Michael, there's certain, I, she was like, she, she's like, thank you. She's like, there's certain scenes in the movie where I couldn't tell the difference between Oscar and you. And that was the biggest compliment I ever could have got. That was the, that was the one comment that just took the weight off my shoulders. Like, okay, I don't care what happens from here on out. The family says it's, it's good, and and they they approve that I'm good. Hey, folks, let's take a break from the conversation so I can tell you about this week's sponsor, BetterHelp. 
You know, I'm looking at the ad copy here, and it says, sometimes life is stressful and hard. And there could not be a more true statement than that right now with what's going on with the coronavirus in our world. And if we don't have someone to talk to and someone to help us out through these times, life can get pretty tough. I know that I have a lot of anxieties and worry about my children, about my parents, and, and about the economy and, and how we're going to move forward as a society. And I'll be honest, I sort out all that stuff through therapy and through talking to people that, you know, are, are geared toward keeping me on the right path in terms of mental health and stress. And, you know, we could all use help, and a lot of people don't know how to ask for it or where to get it, especially in times like this. Well, BetterHelp Online Counseling offers licensed counselors who specialize in issues including depression and anxiety, as well as complicated relationships, family relationships, sleeping, grief, stress, trauma, anger. I mean, these are all sort of things I've felt in the last week. So, especially when we're sort of confined to our homes and we can't go out and we can't congregate, you know, the big question is, how do we find some solace and how do we make a plan going forward for ourselves so that we don't let stress get the better of us? And BetterHelp is a great resource. You can schedule secure video or phone sessions with your therapist. Plus, you can securely exchange unlimited messages. You simply fill out a questionnaire to help them assess your needs. You get matched with a counselor and you start communicating in under 24 hours. And if for any reason you are unhappy with your counselor, you can easily request a new therapist at any time for no additional charge. So basically, BetterHelp allows you to have a therapist from the comfort and the safety of your own home. You can get professional help when you want it and whenever it's most convenient. I encourage you, if you're feeling like you don't know what to do and you just want to talk to somebody and someone who could sort all this stuff out, try BetterHelp. They're giving off-camera listeners 10% off their first month with the discount code CAMERA. So you go to betterhelp.com slash camera. If you're feeling like you need to talk to somebody, this is a great solution. Try BetterHelp. Now back to the show. When you were preparing to go and do uh, press for this film, mm-hmm. for Fruitvale Station, I'm sure there was not only an opportunity in your mind, but an obligation to, you know, to speak about certain things. Not, not just about the film and the individual experience of Oscar Grant, but mm-hmm. what that film brought up as a conversation about race in America and about not only your personal experience, but, but the universal experience of yeah. it. And did you have... Did you see that as an opportunity where you could talk about the bigger conversation? Yeah, it was something that, you know, um, you know, like before, like not ha- not a- not being able to really have a voice on certain things and uh, not being able to really speak out like like you really want to. And weirdly enough, I st- still didn't I still didn't want to become the the poster boy for you know, racially charged topics. Sure. If it's, But in the same vein, I definitely, and it was also the weird timing of the whole Trayvon Martin thing. Because mm-hmm. that was a very much a, a very popular topic at the time while we were filming and, you know, and, you know, all through Sundance and leading up to the trial and all that stuff. I took an opportunity to speak about the project, to speak about that, that isolated incident, and then also touch on how, it still happens to t- today in the, in the state of, you know, racism and 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 and, and, and um, you know being prejudiced in in, 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 in in the United States right now, but not wanting to over talk about it and take credit for something that this tragic event, like you know, trying to exploit the whole Trayvon Martin thing, trying to like you know piggyback off that whole thing. So it was a weird balance that me and Ryan really tried to play because of the whole timing of it all. You said that. You were trying to give Oscar Grant some of his humanity back, yes. and that's that came to be sort of a line that that was pulled out and yep. highlighted yep. a lot. Yep. Uh, what 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 did you mean by that? I meant when when there's a, a incident like this, you know, Oscar Grant's character gets put on trial, and he's being judged by people that don't know him. You know, um, everybody has their own agenda, their own bias. You know, way to spin it. Either he's getting painted as this degenerate thug, this monster, this villain. Who brought you know, it on who himself. Brought it, he deserved it. Of course he deserved to die. 
I mean, what was he doing hanging out at a train station, coming back home, you know, New Year's, you know, like, no, of course he deserved to die. Then you get, you know, certain people that paint him as this perfect person that never jaywalked in his life, that never did anything wrong. And he was this saint, you know, and neither one of those are true. We wanted to find that middle ground, that that the, the reality, you know, and um, flaws and all. We just wanted to give him. We just wanted to give him his humanity back. And um, oh, you did a great job. Yeah, man. He did, and and I think that by focusing on the specific and taking it as one day in his life, yeah. by making it that specific, you actually brought in the universal. And that, I think that's the that's the beauty when it is taking your medicine and hiding it in the food. You know mm-hmm. that you, if if you could do it in a way that that feels like. They're not. It's all of us. Yes. You know, then then you've done a good job. Um, I also read that you said, uh, you know, that that you've played so many of these kind of care. You've played the black guy a lot and (laughs) you have never played a doctor or someone that's in love or, um, you know, you you went through some examples in a story I read. And, uh, you know, I just I wanted to hear you talk about that in your own words in terms of playing the black guy versus you know, a white actor is never going to have the problem of saying, gosh, I, I don't have the opportunity to play a doctor, to play this. Like, that's not a conversation a white guy has with himself in his head. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, mean, tell I me could play a doctor that. and a guy in love, but I don't know if it's going to be, I don't know if it's going to make it to the screens. It might be, it might be a home video. Well, tell, <laughs> no, me about that. tell me about I mean, but that came from somewhere. That came yeah, from a frustration of, I'm sure, all the auditions that we haven't seen you go on where you're being asked to play that role. Yeah, I mean, it's just the lack thereof, you know, of, um, it's like, you know, going back to what we were talking about before, like you've seen the usual suspects, you know, you go into audition, you know, I, there's like, you know, seven guys, five, six, seven guys that I'm like, okay, I know I'm gonna see them in every audition I go into. And it's like, okay, cool. Because we're always being pitted, you know, for the same same roles. It's not a historical figure or, you know, biopic on somebody, you know, it's like, where where's the, the, the average Where's the, the everyday man? Just you know, that's going through regular life shit. You know, the fire, the firefighter, the you know, the the doctor, the the guy next door, whoever. You know, it's just there's not an abundance of roles out there. You know, for 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 those for those characters. You know, I think it starts at conception. You know, when people write, they sometimes the writers write. You know, for the black guy, there's a black guy, so I got to right. you know, there's a certain stereotype that's that's going to come up naturally. You know. Um, and I know myself, you know, playing roles like I just got I got fortunate to not get stereotyped. I played a lot of like roles that could be looked at as stereotypical, but the weight and and the stakes were so high and so different. That, and it was a lot of love, a lot of a lot of heart, a lot of uh, you know, it was grounded that it was it was universal. But no, it, it's 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 uh, it's frustrating, man. You know when. Um, and I, I mean, it bothers me when you hear, you know, sometimes when I hear other, you know, actors, black actors, you know, say something like, you know, like Mike's taking all the roles or something like that. And I'm, As if there's a, just a, a couple roles yeah, and you're getting them because yeah. there's not all the roles that are out there. Because, I mean, I, I mean, as humbling or not, like, I don't like, you know, when, you're, when you have a moment, you know, everybody wants that moment. They want to be a part of that moment. So, you know, I'm having a lot more opportunities thrown at me right now, which is amazing. It's a blessing, you know, because I'm not saying I don't deserve it. Because, I mean, I fucking work my ass off to get here, you know. And Sure. But as black film, and it's not even just black, this film. Like, sometimes black film, like, that, that shit bothers me too sometimes. Like, why, like, why does it have to be, they don't call it white film. Right. You know, like you take an example like Tyler Perry and say yeah, that's black film, black and, film. and then there's a film that's like a Judd Apatow movie, and that's film. Exactly. Well, it brings up the question uh, of how you, you know, you're 26, you're at the beginning of what we all hope is a long, fruitful career, but um, how, you know, how do you design that career in such a way that, you, you know, as much as you don't have any control as an actor, mm-hmm. um, what have you learned now about how to sort of design a career that you want and and you know it has this experience of Fruitvale Station with a fairly unknown director who made who made his own future yeah. like what 
you know, do you think about that? How to how you want to design your career and and what you can do? Yeah, I dream about it every like every day. You know, I'm always constantly thinking about you know what I want to do, and I yeah, I want to do everything, which is my problem. I want to play roles that everybody wants to go see. I'm not making films for one specific genre, for one right. f- specific audience. Um, I want to be international. You know, I want to be like you know going to Cannes and you know and meeting these you know foreign investors and distributors and you know you know building relationships and realizing how much relationships you know really run this town you know and in, in, in this industry and, and taking the Tom Cruise and Will Smith model like not being afraid to jump on a plane and go promote your film and 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 and, and get people in the seats and, and be a politician you know and, and that's that's a, that's a huge part of it as well but that's like my career I want I want I want to, I want to I want to do film. I want to. I want to produce film. I want to. I want to star in film. I want to produce television. I want to star in television. You know, eventually, I want to. You know. I mean, I want my own channel one day. I, I, I mean, I, I mean, I want to. I want my own studio as well. I, I mean, I don't just because it hasn't been done before doesn't mean it's like it's it's it's, it's unobtainable. You know, I, I just want to do things the smart way, man. Um, well, I hear you saying that. You want to start by breaking any stereotype yep. that that someone has of you and showing people what you can do, and then using that to shape your own path. One hundred percent. I mean, I I don't want to be directly compared to anybody. You know, even though like I don't. I want. I'm I'm me, man. I mean, I think that's what makes all of us different is that we got our own thing. You know, yeah, there's some similarities between every from from you know everybody. You know, you don't want to be the next anybody. I don't want to be the next anybody. You know, I just want to be me, and 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 um, I'm gonna do whatever I can. You know, my way. You know, um, and hopefully, you know, I continue to have people follow me. Looking at what you've been able to do in such a short time mm-hmm. is remarkable, and and in some ways. Maybe it even goes against your argument of I don't want to play the black guy because you're yeah. not. You, I mean, you're yeah. you're far more successful, I think, even than maybe you're aware of now in, in how far you've already been able to come. It, just forget black or white or whatever. Yep, yep, yep. You started when you were 14 in a serious role, and it's it's only been 12 years, and look where you are. And it's for me, it's it's uh, it's fascinating to watch, and and I've just loved you know getting to know you through this conversation but also like through watching on television and in films for you know the past five or six years so really a pleasure for me to have you here no man i'm glad i'm glad i was able to do it man this is so much fun man even from like you know we were talking earlier about you know like photographs and stuff like that and like how it's so hard for actors sometimes to like sit still and and take you know and find these you're trying to get a snippet you know trying to get just 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 letting yourself go and um i'm not really a big you know, I always get nervous when I do stuff like this. Like my mom and like uh, when I started doing um, when I started doing like like the wire, the first couple episodes. Like right before we start, like they said action, I would just start laughing. <laughs> like I'll just start smiling and laughing. I'm like, I'm so sorry, I'm sorry guys, I'm sorry. Like I just, it's that ner- I get I, I I get nervous sometimes when I when I gotta, I don't know. When I, sometimes I I get nervous and. And uh, you're so disarming. It's comfortable, bro. It's like, oh, thank you. It's cool.